I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Lakers take a 2-1 lead. CP3 questions abound. Lakers now with an 87% chance to advance. Milwaukee crushes, commanding 3-0 lead. But if you bet them to win the title, you get paid double on Milwaukee as you would on the Lakers. What's the difference? We'll explore Clippers tonight in a must-win. Vegas still believes the Clippers lane three over the Dallas Mavs. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Friday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Oh, the Lakers fans, they're so happy. They're up 2-1. See, we told you so. What is the difference between this Laker team and this Milwaukee team? I think Milwaukee's look more impressive, but somehow you get paid double, double on the Bucks. We'll explore it. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got more NBA action coming up later on tonight, plus some serious question marks regarding several series that were displayed last night. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? Let's start with the Lakers, and then we're going to segue into the Bucks, and then we're going to say, what the buck? I mean, what the heck? Yeah, and it was the Lakers last night with a 109-95 win over the Phoenix Suns. L.A. takes a two-game-to-one series lead, winning back-to-back games. All right, eye test. First question, what percentage health effectiveness was Chris Paul in your mind yesterday? Under 50%. Under 50 so yeah. hobbled clearly. Yeah. Do you have any other sense of exactly what the injury is and in the sense that, hey, between now and Sunday, is it going to get better? I've only heard that, you know, it's a stinger. That, that, that was the initial report that I had heard that it was a stinger. Isn't that a radio promotion, a stinger? Right, yeah. That's a, that's a, a button you hit at the end of an hour, I believe. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, but, I, but I just I, – that's all that I've heard, but he just – and I don't even know if we're going to get the full truth until after the playoffs are over and maybe there no was way. some structural damage. Yeah, imagine that. Um, but it, it's, it's clearly an issue, and, and he's clearly compromised, and they, they just don't look like the same team. Speaking of the full truth, at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to respond. Stephen A. Smith on First Take today was talking at length about gambling. I love Stephen A., long history with him, but he got this very wrong, I think, connecting gambling to fan violence right at the bottom of the hour we're going to address that okay so anthony davis monster game 34 points 11 rebounds lebron another service uh, workmanlike game 23 points nine assists six rebounds he's filling up the stat sheet chris paul seven points only 27 minutes played Devin booker 19 
but only 6 of 19 shooting. Booker seemed to wilt under the pressure. There was a little confrontation or a little instigation at the end of the game. How would you describe what happened at the end? He just he, – they melted down. It wasn't just him. It was Jay Crowder who uh, was going head-to-head with LeBron. LeBron gave him a spin move and started, you know, taking control of the game. And, and he just mentally wilted under the pressure. Uh, Booker wilted under the pressure. Um, they sent Jay Crowder just back to the locker room. Booker got ejected. It's just – they look like – they ran into something they had no answers for, and they just fell apart emotionally, just completely fell apart. And I would say this. It was a perfect storm for that to happen to the Suns. So you take what's the difference between this year and last year? Last year, the Suns team did not even make the playoffs. This year's second seed in the Superior West. Chris Paul obviously was a part of it. And some maturation on the part of other players. Makes sense. So, you have your first playoff road game in your career, I think, other than Chris Paul or any of the key players on the Suns. And you're playing the defending champion Lakers. You're playing the player of the century, LeBron. Not even debatable. This was a tough spot. And you, you're Chris Paul. You're the daddy is hurt. And he's not there to do what he's done the whole year as one of the key difference makers. Chris Paul was in top five in MVP voting from many voters I've heard. We'll see how the final results are. I think that the Lakers are in a commanding spot to win the series. If you look at the series price, 87% chance right now is the way that it breaks down to that the Lakers advance. So you got to bet $835 to win 100 And on the Suns, you get 5-1 to one back. This was near – well, remember, after game one, the Suns were the favorite in this series. So two games, big drastic transition. I don't know how the Suns can do it without Chris Paul on Sunday playing well, but I also think if I knew for sure he was 100%, which we won't, I wouldn't be too discouraged by this game. And I guess that's the ultimate point and the ultimate question. Jonas, in your mind, would you be particularly discouraged by this game? Because, yes, you're talking about the breakdown and, you know, the the different critical ways we've explained it. But it felt kind of excusable if Chris Paul was back, if they have that second game, or they will have the second game, it feels like it could be a lot better. With the uncertainty of Chris Paul, I don't know, but I'm not going to indict, I'm not going to completely dismiss the Suns because of one breakdown because I think it was excusable. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to dismiss them entirely altogether either. I think, you know, they probably learned from it. The Chris Paul issue, I think, is the main issue. And I think part of the reason why they were able to still win game one, because he suffered the injury in game one, and then they went on to to go on and win that game. And I think part of that was, you know, they had their adrenaline. They were in the midst of the game. Now that the Lakers have had a chance to actually get a full version of a game against Phoenix with Chris Paul clearly nowhere close to 100%, the Lakers have made adjustments. They played really good defense, you know, and guys like Devin Booker haven't stepped up for Phoenix and LeBron took over the game last night. So I'm not writing him off completely, but I think it's all dependent this entire series on Chris Paul's health. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. So when you say LeBron took over the game, if looking at the stat sheet, it doesn't strike me as taking over a game. What was it about his performance that 
leads you to say it that way. And so late in the game, he was uh, going up against Jay Crowder, and he clearly wanted the ball. He wanted the ball in an isolation, which I don't recall a lot of times where he's saying, give me the ball in the post. I got this guy. Jay Crowder's a tough defender, a guy who get after you a little bit, and he just took advantage of him down in the low post a couple of different times. Jay Crowder got heated up about it, was getting in his face, trying to get extra physical. LeBron was egging on the crowd. He was egging on the bench. I think he took over the game emotionally. He recognized Mm. that the Suns were starting to fall apart and he just decided, give me the ball. I can go ahead and step on a throat here. And he went and did it. And and credit to him, the Lakers never looked back and Phoenix fell apart. And physically, did LeBron seem 100% to you? I still don't think he's 100%. I I think even Charles Barkley made the comment at halftime. Uh, Jim Jackson, I think, was on the call and he said, look, He's not 100% to where he's not what we've seen from LeBron, but he's good enough, especially in this series, to be able to get to the basket if need be and be able to score at will. So We are straight out of Vegas. Let's look at the Lakers compared to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm going to make the following statement. A lot of people aren't going to like this. I think the Lakers have not had a difficult series since last year, including last year. The championship year, they beat 4-1 the Blazers. A Blazers team that was had to you know, play the uh, whatever the 8-9 was last year and were quite fatigued because they had to win a bunch of games in the last eight in the bubble. Houston Rockets that were falling apart, as we saw. The Denver Nuggets, who were probably a year away and had just come off a monster series, uh, you know, especially that Utah series was, oh, my gosh. And then the Heat. And we're seeing what the Heat are right now. And the Heat were banged up like crazy. Literally, the Blazers, a lot of injuries in that first round. Heat were banged up like crazy. And now they're playing a Suns team where their heart and soul gets ripped out because their best player, or at least their most important player, Chris Paul, gets injured. Now you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and you say, okay, they looked really good. They won in game one against Miami when they shot horribly. Miami shot great from three especially. They crush them in game two. Then you have a must-win spot for the Heat. A must-win, and Milwaukee just kills them. Just boom, up by 17 like in the first quarter. What's the difference? The difference is that Giannis the year before the bubble lost a game in the – Eastern Finals against the eventual champion Toronto. They were up 2-0. And they laid an egg in the bubble last year, except Giannis was hurt, so who knows. I'm not saying there's nothing to worry about with the Bucs. I'm not saying that you can just dismiss the fact that even now Giannis doesn't seem to be super comfortable. And LeBron, though his history in the Finals isn't great, getting teams to the Finals, he's amazing. So is that a sign that he chokes when the real pressure's on? Or is that a sign that there was just some bad luck in the finals? I don't know. But what I know is that if you look at what the Lakers have done from a distance, you would say champion last year, rolling in the first round this year. I don't think it's that simple. I don't. Remember, the Lakers were one of three teams entering the final or the playoffs last year that had about the same odds, Milwaukee, Lakers, Clippers. In the interim, Lakers won it, and now we see where the Clippers are, and we'll talk about that about 6.50 when we preview that game, Eastern. But I truly believe that you can often have two people or two teams 
there'll be a break here, a bad break there, two or three breaks over a decade, and one person, almost trading places style, one person's in one place and one person is way lower. One team is in one place, one team is way lower. Other than the mystique of LeBron, I'm not so sure, if you look at the Lakers, that you could say tangibly they are so much better than a team like a Milwaukee. Obviously, a team like the Nets is a different whole conversation. I think the Nets might be the best team no matter what. But I'm saying a team like Milwaukee that even isn't near as beloved by the general fan. I think they're being slept on a little bit. And I think the Lakers are getting the sunshine a little too much. And if you tell me from here on, you can have Milwaukee to win it or the Lakers. But oh, by the way, if you take Milwaukee, you get paid double if you win. I'm taking Milwaukee, and I'm not sure I'm not taking Milwaukee if the payoff was just a little bit more. Lakers, probably if it's the same payoff, because they're the Lakers with LeBron. And there is that secret sauce that you can't quite quantify. But man, oh man, it is not much of a difference. Jonas, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if it's if we're paying double, I'll take Milwaukee. If it's just slightly more, I'm I'm probably going to go with the Lakers, just because I do think Milwaukee's got a tougher road. Um, yeah, that's true it, too. It, it seems like you got to deal with Brooklyn, uh, the way that they're playing, the way they're controlling that series, uh, which would be a, a fascinating series to watch. But I think Milwaukee's been the most impressive team in the postseason so far, and it's not even close, especially considering Miami is this team that's built on grit and determination any of any team that you could think would come back and bounce back in a game three at home after losing the first two Miami seems like they would be the team and then you glance up at the scoreboard and and they're down 25 at home and, and I don't the know heart, it's like the heart got taken it's, out it's of it's great I've never seen I haven't seen we never saw this at all for Miami last year even when they had injuries in the in the finals against the Lakers they still tried to keep competitive and stay competitive in those games they weren't competitive at all last night you make a great point to close is it's very reasonable the Lakers would get to the finals by winning this series and then by beating Denver in the next series without Murray obviously and then let's say if if the seeds hold by beating Utah so quite frankly Phoenix without Chris Paul Denver without Murray and Utah to get to the finals that would be seven straight series in which in Utah you could say, well, that's a tough team. Yeah, in the playoffs, how playoff ready are they? We'll see. But man, now you compare that to Milwaukee. You know, easy first round, let's call it though. Playing the Heat that beat them last year wasn't necessarily easy. But then to play the Nets, then to play the Sixers, then to play the Lakers, that is a gauntlet. <laughs> and I got to tell you something, if he can do it, Guy nice anti umpo. It would be a, 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 an exclamation point on him getting his first title. When we come back, we're going to get into, you know, let's talk. A, hmm. I want to get into. I'm going to talk about the Denver Nuggets, because I'll tell you this right now. As much as we can dismiss him and say, oh, Murray, Murray's not there to go into Portland and win that game. Very impressive. And I don't think they're going to be as much of a pushover to the Lakers as we might think. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with innovation. 
I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at the NBA playoffs. And at 6.30 Eastern, in like seven minutes, we're going to talk about Stephen A. Smith and him talking about gambling. I like Stephen A., but I disagree with the demonization of gambling. <laughs> this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience for the show has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. It's you that's helping us grow, and we're going to keep delivering for you as our thank you. You can listen on the weekends especially, but all week. Weekends are a time you can catch up on the show. If you missed anything, just go to wherever you play your favorite podcast, search for Straight Out of Vegas, and there you go. You can listen to the week, the entire week and even before that if you want to. Here in Vegas on the Strip, 98 degrees, the neon is chugging. So, RJ, we talked about the Lakers-Suns series with L.A. taking a two-game-to-one series lead last night. We discussed the Bucks taking a 3-0 series lead on the Miami Heat. Another team that took control of their series was the Denver Nuggets, a 120-115 final at Portland. They lead the Blazers two games to one in that opening round series. Yeah, and I was wrong about this one generally. I felt like after the first game that Denver was exposed, that this was a team that with the – almost certain MVP joker uh, carrying the weight after Murray went down, but the weight would have been too much against a good Portland team. And you might say, good? Really? They were good? Well, if you actually look at the last 15 or so games before the playoffs, Portland was playing outstanding. And it's always the plus or the catch-22 when it comes to the NBA season. 82 games long, typically 72 this year. Do you count the games in November the same as the games in March, April, May? And anytime you have statistics, it's a battle between you want a bigger sample size, but you want the information to be more relevant. You'll see trends in college football back to 1980. It's like, well, what does that mean? You know, everyone's dead that was playing then or whatever. Well, maybe not, but close. And it's like, well, if it's an institutional thing, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe it is applicable. For the most part, you want to compare apples to apples. And Denver, though, uh, across the season wasn't, or I'm trying to check that, Portland across the season wasn't great. Portland was mighty good coming into the series, and they win game one. Denver holds on in game two to win or wins pretty easily, but then to go and take home court advantage back, very impressive. And obviously there's been an emergence on Denver of, of players helping in Murray's absence. So, Jonas, what's your general take on Denver? I, this series I can't get a read on. I, I, <laughs> I really – I can't get a – when Portland won the first game, I thought that was – I thought they had a clear advantage. I thought it was obvious without Murray it would be hard for them to come up with enough scoring to try and compete with Damon Company. We know Portland doesn't have the greatest defense in the world. They never have. But it's, it's almost as if Portland's a tease – and, and now, upon further review, Denver's just the better team. Even without Jamal Murray, maybe they're just a little bit more consistent. Maybe you know what you're going to get from Jokic and, and, and the surrounding pieces every single night. But I can't get a read on this series. Although, I, I do think the fact that Portland has lost two straight games after the thought was, this is a real issue because Jamal Murray's out and, and he was so good last year in the bubble in the postseason – the fact that we're sitting here down 2-1 after taking control and having home court advantage, I, I just, 
I'm surprised, and, and I don't know what, what to make of Portland's performance. The efficiency on both offenses has been outstanding. If you look yeah. at the totals in the game, the three games between Denver and Portland, first game went over five points, second game over eight and a half, third game over seven. So over, over, over. And you look at the key players, Joker with 36 and Lillard with 37. So they're getting their points, no yeah. doubt about it. I, I kind of think the under's a way to kind of glance towards – and here's why. The two things that add up to points in the NBA are pace, how many possessions do the teams play, and efficiency, how many points per possession do they score. And, Mackenzie, pull it up is, uh, you know, uh, cleaning the glass perhaps or wherever you want, is the efficiency for these teams has been outstanding. And the pace actually is not as fast as you'd think. And we'll get those exact numbers, but when that's the case, when the efficiency is super high, which means they're just getting more points every time they get, have the ball, and the pace isn't so fast, usually the efficiency is going to regress a little bit. Because if you got it really high, it's like you're shooting the lights out. Well, are you going to keep shooting the lights out? The thing you can be sure of is the pace is going to – not sure of, but you can almost be sure of – is the pace isn't going to pick up as the series progresses – they're getting tired. They're getting familiar with each other. So I do think that there's times that there can be low scoring, and it's because of efficiency, and you tend to see. And Milwaukee was an example of this, where they didn't score that well in game one because they shot so poorly. The pace stayed what it was. They shot better, and boom, they're putting up some big, big numbers. Let's do an early preview here, and then we'll get those Portland or those Denver-Portland numbers in a second. Let's do an early preview, if you don't mind, Jonas. Uh, let's talk Boston Nets, because I think we know this series, but I do think Kyrie returning to Boston and some of the comments he made are interesting. Yeah, it's tip-off at 8.30 Eastern time on ABC. It's the Nets at the Celtics. Brooklyn up two games to one, two games to none, rather, and on pregame.com on the road, Brooklyn is an eight-point favorite. Okay, so... On one hand, I would say this. Brooklyn looks like the best team in basketball, and it's not even close. And I know if an answer feels obvious, smart people tend to want to think it's not that obvious. I fall into that trap, smart or not. And the fact is, this maybe is that obvious. And let me just make a very simple kind of cafe, you know, diner take. I'm eating my eggs Get a little ham, a big slice of ham with the bone in. And you can hear like the, sil the silverware on the plates. Bah, bah, bah. And that, I should get that sound effect. And what I'm going to say is, hey, listen, Nets have hardly played, a little New York accent, Nets have hardly played together as a team, these big three this year. When they do, they're awesome. They're all healthy and playing now. And oh, by the way, defense is a lot about want to, a lot about effort. And when they decide they want to play D, they have an average D. So you have maybe the best offense in the history of basketball and an average defense. That wins, and it won't be close. You know what? I'm not sure I don't agree with every word that New York RJ just said. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, I'm at some point, 
it, you know, they talent's got to rise above, and they've got the talent. Um, they they seem to be coasting. They had their first half against Boston, in which Boston played really well, and you look like, okay, well, maybe these guys aren't gelling and connecting. And then they picked it up in the second half. They were really good in that game too. And and I would be at this point surprised if Boston got a game in this series. The way Brooklyn looks, I I, I think we could be staring at a sweep, and and I think Brooklyn could could hammer him tonight as well too. Do you think Kyrie's comments about Boston and the racial element are, is going to have a role? Um, I mean, it, it seems be- like it would motivate in a spot where the Nets might be flat. It feels like maybe it's motivating. Yeah, it's um, I, he, he's going to hear it from Boston fans for sure. Like he's he's going to hear it for sure. Um, you know, there's been people that have spoken out about it. And, you know, Marcus Smart has said, yeah, I've heard some things and whatnot. It, it felt like an element that didn't need to be brought into the series. And Kyrie went there. And I don't know if that's just to protect himself from getting so much heat, um, you know, or kind of, you know, getting the sympathy from the amount of heat he's going to get from Celtic fans after he told him he was coming back and then he decided not to come back. I don't know why he brought it into the series, but I'm curious to see how mostly Brooklyn responds because, you know, the Celtics are going to be fired up trying to save their season. But I'm curious how they respond and rally around him. I have two quick thoughts that go in different directions. One is, are we sure Boston wants to save their season? Because they know the seasons. You know, euthanasia is a real thing. At some point, when there's no hope, some people don't want to keep fighting. I'm not sure Boston has any real hope. I wonder how much they want to keep fighting. On the other hand, and this to me is an eye-popper, I think it's possible Brooklyn won't mind losing a game. Because what do they want? Brooklyn would like some time to gain cohesion, to gain chemistry with the big three in a low-pressure situation. So I think game three, because Kyrie said what he said, Nets probably play hard. But if they get up 3-0, I'm looking to bet Boston in game four. Because typically, once a team goes down 3-0, the line goes way up in the team that's up 3-0 because they figure the other team gave up. I think Brooklyn probably doesn't mind an extra game because, what, they're going to sit and wait for a week or something? To me, I think they like the idea of one more game, almost like a scrimmage. What do you think of that? Yeah, and and I also think if Brooklyn gets up early by double digits, it's a wrap. I think I think Boston could just could fold up and just say in, in game in game three in, in game three. I, okay, I think, that's I think interesting because I just think that Boston they're going to come out and you're going to get their best shot and if their best shot results in them going down by ten or more early in the game, I, I think Brooklyn runs away with it. So we saw it yesterday and Mackenzie. What is the first half line net Celtics? Because in theory, the Celtics motivation when you're down 0-2 and you go home should show itself in the first half. So um, we saw this in the Milwaukee-Miami game. Miami was an underdog in the game, but they were a favorite in the first half yesterday. Why? Because th- you know, the market thought that the crowd, the enthusiasm, the sense of desperation would help Miami most in the first half. So uh, I'm interested to see if the market... Mackenzie, do you have that line? We had Mackenzie's mic off. That's just, that's just good general procedure. Go ahead. Shrewd. Nets minus three in the first half. Okay, so Nets minus three. So that's interesting because we would expect it to be four and a half if the line's yeah. eight, right? Right. Okay, so there you go again, Jonas. The line in a normal game, 
if a road team is favored by eight, like the Nets are in the game, line would be four or four and a half in the first half. The reason being, when a line's a little higher like that, you wait it towards the first half because teams tend to play harder and get a nice lead than they coast a little bit when they're the favor. So here, instead of four and a half Nets in the first half, it's three, which is an example of the belief in game three, the edges in the first half. Jonas, it plays right into your point. If Boston fails in the first half, I think that it might be packing in for lunch. And I also wonder, I, I don't even know if this line is out there, but if you had to set an over-under on, on total games in this series and you set it at four and a half, I would take the under right now. I, I, think, I think Boston's getting swept. Yeah, now entering the series, it was like plus 250. So um, a sweep was unlikely. So it's kind of interesting. A lot of people have changed their mind because I don't think it's really been – I don't even know if there's been a real competitive half so far. By the way, to wrap up with Denver and Portland, so if you look at the pace, it's the third slowest of the playoffs. So though the total has gone over all three times, Denver-Portland, of the eight playoff first rounds, this is the third slowest, only two slower. But if you look at efficiency, Denver has the second best of all teams in the playoffs, second of 16, and Portland has the seventh. So even though they're down one game to two, Portland has the seven, above average efficiency. So this is a great example where they're scoring very effectively, but they're not going all that fast. I tend to like under because my thinking is, and this is something Fezzik was talking about in pre-production. He actually likes his too, where, but he was talking about how in the second half of the game, there was a real surge of points late that kind of pushed it over, and it was an unnatural number of points. And again, when people win the over, 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 they tend to bet the over again. So I'm going to say, I'm going to make this a play right now. Impromptu play, Saturday NBA playoffs, Denver under 226 and a half. I like what it. What do you think, and, and also, uh, I, and I just thought this was kind of uh, an interesting quirk, but in that game last night, they had the identical scoring in the second half, both teams. They were 20 to 20 in the third, 36 to 36 in the fourth Ooh, quarter. And 72. So, yeah, just identical scoring in, in the second half. And to your point, I think a lot of people confuse good offense with fast offense to where they're on fast breaks. And we think Steph Curry and, and the Splash Brothers and all that, and they're putting up these threes these teams are their offense is so is put together so well and performing so well and then you talk about the pacing of it It, it, it's interesting because I think some people might confuse the the speed as being a good offense these teams are executing at the half court at a really high level it's just it depends on who's going to get a stop first yeah I, I agree with that and imagine though the total went over in the Denver in game three uh, by, I think, a point and a half. Let me see the difference. Oh, let me see. So the, it went over in the last game. Um, da, 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 da. Late, it, was, uh, it went over late, I think is easy to say. And so it was 120-115, as you said. I guess it went over by seven points. But them scoring 72 in the fourth <laughs> quarter, I mean, it, or it really does tell you if you had the under, that's a bad beat, which is what, now listen, when there's an emotional crushing beat, you want to look to bet that same thing the next game because anyone who bet it, 
is not coming within 10 feet of it. It's like they're triggered by it. It's like post-traumatic stress. I'm not betting the under in Denver, Portland. And you know what? That causes a mispricing because there's that portion of the market that's removed and saying they won't bet an under. There's going to be a natural upward momentum. And again, we'll make it an official best bet under 226.5 Denver, Portland, that's on Saturday. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Or by NHTSA. RJ and Jonas, back to you. Thanks, Deb. Straight Out of Vegas here, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. You know, listening to that news, if I owned a radio station and someone wanted to be like a host, I'd have them come in for the interview and I'd just say, say the following. And it'd be Brave Skipper Mike Snickner. <laughs> and if they can do that, then it's like, okay, come back tomorrow. What do you that, think? That, You'd I, have no problem with that, John. No, no, no. Deb handled it perfectly. I would have butchered it. I, 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 think, I, I, I yeah. think she purposely made it that difficult just to show off. Just to rub it in, probably. Just to yeah, show I, off. Yeah, I, 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 would have, I would have completely ruined that. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do this. We'll take our final break. I w- the Stephen A. Smith stuff, we don't want to hurry. So when we come back, we're going to lead off with it. Stephen A. was talking about sports batting. I love Stephen A. I don't love what he said about sports batting. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion. And I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who's ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Merriman on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, a guy that you know very well, had some interesting comments about sports betting uh, and uh, you took an issue with. Now, I have not heard these comments, so I'm, I'm curious to see what exactly he said. Well, first off, I should say, and, you know, as I've said a couple times, is, you know, for three years I did a weekly hit with Stephen A. on his national show before, you know, I was with Fox just a class act and and uh, at a personal level and you can you know agree with his bombastic nature or not but i'm speaking from personal experience stand up and uh there was one case in particular where he really stood up for me and you know we weren't that close you know uh, we you know over time we grew you know to be closer but at the time it was a strong thing so i really like stephen a personally that said there are no sacred cow herds or sacred cows anywhere And what Stephen A. said, and I give him credit, he doesn't talk about, in my opinion, sports betting as an authority, because, you know, he's not. But what he said was, maybe, perhaps, it seems likely that the intensity that comes from a better is the kind of intensity that leads to lashing out, like throwing popcorn or spitting. And to me, I'm not sure that's true. But let's not even think for a second if it's true or not and say the following. 
any intensity connection, Karen, is going to lead to perhaps angst and emotion if the performance is bad. So think about this. Hey, we're thinking of having a meet-the-greet team for uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, but we're worried that if the, these fans get close to Tom Brady, they're going to like him so much that if somehow Tampa Bay loses, they're going to get so mad they might throw popcorn. It's like, where does it stop? Right? Is we, Let's not show every game on TV because they're going to care too much, and if we lose, they're going to get mad. So to me, yes, gambling does increase a person's interest in the game he's watching, but if that's a problem, maybe they should put up like some – a screen so you can't, like at Madison Square Garden, you can't see the game too much because if you can really see it clearly, you might get too emotionally involved. So I'm not even going to dispute it, though. To me, I think gamblers tend to think about teams and not players. I never get, I mean, Jonas, you're a batter. I mean, recreationally, when you lose and you, and you have an emotional reaction, is it typically you're mad at the team or you're mad at the players? And no, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm mad at the result. I, I don't look You're at, mad at yourself some, yeah, most of the time. I'm mad at myself, but I also think, and, and this is why I don't think his argument holds water, I would venture to guess majority of real sports bettors prefer watching games at home. They're not. They're, they're not. They're not going to games. Like they're, yeah, I think that's go, true. And, and, and with Steve, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying. And and the idea that you know we need to be this cautious about everything. They've been cautious. You remember when they used to have glass bottles at games? They don't have that anymore. They have metal detectors at every arena you walk into. Like they've safe safened up stadiums and arenas as much as they possibly can. This is just on a couple of fans who got drunk. And Stephen A.'s comment was. Uh, in addition, the idea that at certain venues you can bet with a mobile app right there. And to me, he's right. That's something that these, that these teams are thinking. Hey, most people want to sit at home. If you can sit here and be betting in-game in a way that is different and better than you could at home, maybe it is going to entice people to come and gamble more. But those bettors, 99 out of 100 times, are betting pizza money. Small, small bets. Yeah, put a limit on it. Like, like, put a $50 limit on it so you don't have to worry about somebody thinking they just, you know, cost their kids lunch for next week, the entire next week, because they lost a game. I mean... So, uh, it, to me, what, in a way, Stephen A is making the argument why sports betting is so big and why it's so powerful. It does increase your emotional connection. It does make you care about the game. And you know what? When you care, sometimes you're going to be disappointed. But if we try to prevent that, that means we got to change everything about sports and try to get people to care less. And you know what? Then you're going to have like lawn darts and no one's going to care. No one's going to be throwing popcorn. And I'm not saying we accept it. I'm saying the way to address it isn't to get people to care less. And gambling shouldn't be demonized because of that. And again, it was one piece of a bigger argument. But that's a big platform Stephen A has. And I think that the gambling side needs its moment to Make its case. Real quick, Jonas, Hawks Knicks tonight. This is a 1-1. Hawks are four and a half. Yeah. This is showing the betting marketplace believes Atlanta is the better team. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think Atlanta's the better team. I want to see how fired up Trey Young is after what went down in game two. Like, I, I want to see what his, uh, what his numbers look like at the end of this one. All I know is receding hairline. <laughs> Wasn't that the chant? Uh, I, I think it was Trey is balding. I think it's what Oh, it was. Yeah, I, I think receding hairline. Let me think about it. Trey is balding, receding hairline. 
and, and, and they were well, handing I like out, that better. Well, they got to hand out pamphlets for that like they did in game two. I mean, that's... Or, the, the, <laughs> well, with the phonetic spelling on it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a good weekend. Great, great week of shows, Jonas. Absolutely. Uh, if you missed any of today's show, check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are back on Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time here on FSR. Right out of Vegas! Vegas! 